Hi, and welcome to Green Planet Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists of the regenerative movement, people who are committed to and showcase planetary leadership. My name is Julian Guderlei, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with Akira Chan. Akira is the co-founder of Rare Media, creating captivating films, documentaries, and series with the many best-selling authors, business leaders, social entrepreneurs, and artists they are surrounded by. And by they, it's Akira and his wife, Renee, who's his other co-founder. Rare Media has since produced hundreds of videos and films across a number of industries, all with a focus on improving lives and connecting audiences. And one of the latest projects that I'm excited to talk about today is Little Humans, a docu-series about modern parenting. So with these words, welcome, Akira. Thank you. It's a real honor to be here. Yeah, I'm excited for this conversation and I want to I wanna know a little bit more about your journey right from the get-go about Rare Media and how it started out, like the humble beginnings, maybe some adversity you had to overcome. I know there's a good story, story in there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I've, I have um, I've made the jump from being a lone wolf artist, freelance videographer, filmmaker, to more recently, and by that I mean in the last five to 10 years, um, having my own production studio and production company with a team. And I could, I could trace it back to high school when I first picked up a camera. And I'm sure this is the case with a lot of people. It's a different era now. So everyone has the ability to create, right? I mean, I, I recently mentored a friend's eight-year-old son on how to do some advanced video editing, but he was already making films on his phone and he's, he's just well on his way, eight years old. <laughs> so, yeah. so I kind of got started in high school um, with picking up a camera, but it actually wasn't until later on in my late 20s that somebody asked me this question. They said, okay, so what you do is you, you are a filmmaker. That's what you call yourself. That's kind of your career, your profession, but I bet there was something that happened really early on in childhood that you saw that wasn't connected to, I want to be this, or I want to be that when I grow up, but had more of an emotional, more of an emotional memory. And it really made me think, and I did sit down one day and thought about it. And I, all of a sudden, uh, this memory surfaced from when I was 11 years old. And when I was 11, we had this high school, uh, not a high school, sorry. Uh, when, when I was 11, we had this school assignment that was a written assignment where you had to interview a grandparent. So you were supposed to write down some questions, go visit them or call them on a weekend and do this homework assignment. So I decided to interview. That's my, really cool. Yeah, it was really cool. I highly recommend everyone do that. And I decided to interview my grandfather. Now I'm a I'm mixed race heritage, so my father is actually mixed as well. He's Chinese and white, and that compromises a whole bunch of European countries. And my mom is Japanese, so I decided to do this assignment on my Chinese grandfather, who I knew very little about, but I really admired and respected. And I went and wrote my questions and got all my assignment together and you know, decided to interview him. And we sat down for the interview. And the one thing that was different was instead of just doing a written interview, my dad brought the family video camera because he thought it would be nice to record it. So we sit down, he sets up the camera. I asked the first question. And my first question is, Grandpa, 
So what do you remember when you were 11 years old, when you were my age? And my strong, proud, very serious, very stoic Chinese grandfather thinks about it and he softens and he starts to tear up. And I'm, I'm like a little shy, like really obedient, <laughs> good like little kid. I'm like, grandpa, what did I say? I'm sorry. Is everything okay? And he, he goes, when I was 11, I left China and I didn't know I would be leaving for 20 years. Mm. My family put me on a boat to send me to the United States. And I had no idea what was going on, but that's what happened when I was your age. And that moment of him sharing that, but also showing emotion, uh, it, was, it was really significant. And there was something in that when I retraced that memory that hit me and I realized there was a, the camera in the room. So this capturing of a personal story that had this emotional breakthrough that revealed this memory that was captured on video forever and captured this moment, um, just this one-to-one -one human connection, I realized that's the seed that was planted for me. That is what led me to eventually pick up a camera subconsciously <laughs> as a teenager and really want to pursue this as what I do in this life. You're making me trace back all the times I used a camera as a child right now. Do you, do you remember the last time you watched the video take off of that, that recording? Yeah, I did. I watched it about five years ago and it was very similar to how I remembered it. And, um, and it inspired that, that experience actually inspired a project that we are working on right now, which is documenting the wisdom of, of elder generations and family wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. We, so. You know, massively important. I just, uh, one of the last interviews was with a, a friend, uh, his name is Simon Feil, the creator of the Verity Foundation, who's doing exactly um, the same kind of project. I think there's, there's a lot of space for a lot more elder transmission through either, you know, uh, an honest effort of, of like a localized or homemade kind of interview style or even in, in like a documentary style, because I think our older generations are very rarely, um, you know, put into that focus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And there's the saying that every time in a senior, an elder passes, a library goes away, right? A library dies with them, a library of information, of memories, of, of wisdom. And I think that's key. I think at the very, at the very least, you should sit down with your, your elders, parents, grandparents, and just sit down and record a conversation with them. That, that's, that just contributes so much. And it's, I think it's one of the greatest gifts we can have. So, so that, was, that was the catalyst for me. And the way that looked like um, with my career is I just got into filmmaking. So I was making silly films with friends in high school and trying to recreate big films and movies that we were inspired by. And once I got out of high school, I started to work and uh, work for it. And I was taking all kinds of gigs. I think I've, I've filmed about 
30 weddings. I was doing one or two weddings a weekend all through college. (laughs) And um, so I filmed quite a few weddings. I filmed a handful of births (laughs) and uh, quite a few events and festivals. And um, I'd say from about 20 years old to, to 30, I was really just floating around with the camera, really just trying to figure it out. Um, not really professionally taking it that seriously, but having a lot of fun. And the, the, you know, the things about that that were challenging is I didn't get serious until much later when I started to realize um, this is something that is a, as a form of my, my personal expression. So there was something that clicked one day Um, when I was doing these weddings and I was just taking any gig that would come to me, editing event promos, um, shooting a video for someone's, uh, you know, someone's uh, event or party. And I filmed a friend uh, on a weekend who was a sound healer and he had all these amazing instruments, didgeridoos and sound bowls and gongs and and, um, different tuning forks. And this was not a paid project. I just brought my camera and I sat and filmed him for an entire day and ended up putting this together, this sound film. And there was something when I did that, that for the first time in doing video, editing, shooting, directing, putting things together for about 10 years, I, I kind of struck upon, upon something. I struck upon this, this certain way I like to hold the camera in a certain way. I like to get the right angle. And I put it all together really quickly. And, and I probably, it was my first time going into a flow state with this very technical art form that I had been practicing. And that's when something clicked. And it's when I realized that I should really just fully focus on what I'm most curious about, most passionate about and continue pulling on that thread with this path, doing video, film, and, um, and camera work. And that was pretty big for me. And I don't know if, if that wouldn't have happened, I'm sure it would have happened later on, but that was the moment for me that, that kind of plunged me into this rabbit hole of, <laughs> of, of what continued to be this marriage between my personal interests, my own personal path, my spiritual journey, all while bringing a camera with me and telling the story along the Writing way. Writing out as a, you know, like a, a kid with a video camera or then the, the young artist traveling, traveling everywhere to capture. I think it's really fascinating that you bring up flow. I think it's fascinating that, you know, you went from literally just walking around with your camera to now having worked with some of the most, you know, like mission-driven creative partners that are, that are out there on, at least in the like North American kind of uh, sphere, mm-hmm. if that's Genius Network or Mindbelly or Bulletproof or mm-hmm. uh, Deepak Chopra, Naveen Jain, lots of these people that you, you filmed with. And, and not just that, like you guys have also created documentaries and kind of inspiring videos to talk about what it means to be a father, a mother, like what it means to be a man, what, what it means to suffer from addiction, right? Which mm-hmm. are all human topics that I think uh, they, they require our attention and they require us to, to really, yeah, learn from our past mistakes. And then so what I'd love to ask you is 
at a large, what do you think like is required for humanity to learn from its past mistakes? Hmm. I think what's required is to, for humanity to take a really good look at itself and have different aspects of itself reflected back to it in a way that connects and doesn't repel. And if I could sum up what my intention is every time I put something together, put a film together, um, choose a project, it's that. It's that it's providing a solution and providing some inspiration to, towards an action. And a lot of the, the people and the um, topics you just mentioned, whether it's meditation and mindfulness with um, Deepak Chopra, who's a, one of the people we work closely with, to um, action and, and social, social movements and social issues at the high, high business level and entrepreneurship and startup level. Um, with all of those, I'm looking at ways to tell a very human story uh, even if it's about a serious social issue like addiction, yeah. but tell it in a way that reflects the humanity. And I believe that you can't scare anyone into action. You can't, you can't use fear or even challenge people into action. The best way to do it, in my opinion, is through beauty and inspiration and really humanistic dialogue. So with the Addiction Project, instead of making a documentary on addiction and how serious it is and how many things we were doing wrong about it, uh, we, we focused on art and how one man used art to heal himself and his, his family trauma from addiction. And it, it worked. It really worked. I mean, the response has been great. And we, um, we had a, a, a call to action as well connected to that in a business model where we sold the art and the art sales then raised uh, money to go towards recovery efforts. So it's taken me a while to get here, but I'd say that if anything, my goal and my model every time I work on something is for there to be a really strong um, like seed of impact that it plants in someone and then a very clear place for them to put that, that inspiration and that energy that they just got from it. So that this, thank you so much. This is a very like elaborate and clear answer. And it makes me curious. I want to know a little more about, you know, like the superlatives are maybe not fun to answer, but, but like your like three projects that you were a part of or people you worked with where you felt like exactly what you just described was really spot on. There was, there, you came together for that intention, but you solved it creatively rather than, you know, uh, pushing a message or, or, or through fear. What are like two or three projects that come to mind that you could share with us? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Black Star, the addiction project is, is one of those. Uh, that was the one about art and addiction. And I had a lot of creative freedom on that. So that was, um, that was the case where someone wanted to tell the story about addiction. And instead of doing a broader documentary piece, we focused on a very personal story. So every, every time I work on something, I try to stay really open and let my, my thinking and what I think I know evolve and be open to evolving. And as an artist, it's always uh, that question of, okay, so I can look at what, what has been done and what was a 
quote, good project, whether it was done uh, you know, efficiently, whether it had a great budget, all the mechanics of things. But I, I try to approach things with a really open mind and look at things as, okay, well, what is the right format for, for this project? So that was the one for that. It was, uh, it was a documentary film that had a, uh, a movement connected to it. Um, another one was focused on the United Nations Global Goals. So some of your listeners may be familiar with, with that, that the UN has these 17 global goals, uh, everything from clean water to solving poverty and uh, education, gender equality. I, um, I met someone at a conference, a technology conference, and we started talking about the power of film and storytelling to get people ignited and get people to move into action and see the world in a different way. So that, that was another project that just a month after having that conversation, we were already uh, writing out the stories we wanted to tell for this particular topic, which was showing the UN SDGs at work through eight different entrepreneurs and really unique stories. And we just jumped right into that. So um, that's another one I'm really, really happy with because instead of taking the typical approach I would have before, I, I, I really listened and I let the, the present story and where things were going um, and you know, just really, really doing a lot of investigation into that, that really informed that film. And that film ended up becoming a 40 minute documentary called Igniting Impact that ended up screening at the United Nations itself later that year. Wow. Yeah. And that was, I think it's worth sharing that both the addiction film and that impact entrepreneurship film were topics that I really did not know much about before they came to me. So that's one thing I've learned is instead of trying to put myself into a particular track, like I only work on these types of films or these types of topics, by staying open and really listening and being a, a student when it comes to my what I do professionally and what our business does, it's actually really been beneficial. We've worked on some things that have surprised us and I'm really, really most proud about some of those. Really, really cool. Yeah, that's it. I think, you know, personally, that makes me curious as well because it's, it's often challenging to be an expert or know a lot about every topic that you come across. But through the perspective of storytelling or, or the, the media uh, angle that, you know, you'd have through a documentary shoot or I'd have through a podcast episode, coming from curiosity often you know gets you to very interesting and new places in, in those in those kind of interactions i didn't see that documentary on the sdgs yet i have to watch it yeah absolutely i'd love to send it to you yeah that's one that we're going to continue building off of so if anyone's listening uh and wants to see it um i will i will happily give you the links to that because it's an ongoing series now we plan to have 17 stories one for each of the sustainable development goals Amazing. moving forward yeah let's um pivot slightly from the sdgs into uh you know one specific topic which has brought us together in the past and that's education you know the, the future paradigm of education and, and and really like even though education is a lifelong topic i think little humans are the first ones who have to kind of encounter it and so you fittingly called um 
you know, that segment, Little Humans. Tell us a little bit more about what it is and, you know, who you want to serve with, with Little Humans. Yeah, absolutely. So two years ago, uh, my wife and I had our son, Osiris. And when we became pregnant with him, um, we did what every other parent couple does. They start looking for books and looking for films and information and talking to friends. And of course, because we do media and have a media production company, we were inspired to do something on parenting. And one thing we realized is that we weren't seeing a particular film or a particular like source of information that was really speaking to us. And that involved a lot of uh, topics that we were interested in, everything from conscious parenting to emotional intelligence, um, education, of course, because we're surrounded by a lot of parents like us, entrepreneurial parents, artist parents, people who um, are very open to, let's just call it alternative education and very interested in education evolving. Uh, we have a lot of mutual friends in that area, some who are starting schools of their own. So the moment we became pregnant, we realized let's we were going to work on a parenting documentary. And my originally, original idea was to do um, a film on the future of parenting and education and focus on modern day parents. There's There's quite a few parents right now who have access to more information than ever before, but we don't have the immediate family support that previous generations have. We're not all living under the same roof. We don't have uh, family members living across the street who can come in and help us. A lot of us are doing it on our own. And then statistically, there are also quite a few single moms and dads and uh, blended families where you're raising kids from previous marriages. It's, it's an entirely new paradigm of, of raising little humans in the modern world. So we began to talk to friends and authors and experts and just sit down with them and film them. I mean, these are people like uh, Dr. Shafali Sabari, who wrote The Conscious Parent and The Awakened Family, and also uh, people who are really uh, steeped in brain development, like Dr. Dan Siegel. So there's these, these big name authors, but then we also talk to families and friends of ours who were doing really cool things like rites of passage with their teenagers or uh, focused on family rituals and or running a, a business as young millennial active parents while raising kids at the same time. Yeah. And it's going to be the modern world, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I think the best, the best way to, to learn and to really organize all, all these different ways, approaches to parenting is to sit down and, and film and put it together and talk to them. So that eventually became the Little Humans docuseries, which we recently released um, with Mind Valley, who's our partner um, in the project, and had a great response. Um, and that was all within the last month. And as you know, we're going through quite an interesting time right now with what's going on with COVID-19 and, and quarantine uh, all around the world. And now that project has become our opportunity to now support a lot of parents who were interested in this information yeah. and now are faced with 
being with their kids a lot more and having a lot more opportunities to practice it. Right, right. Well, <laughs> before, I, before I go into that like very real COVID-19 yes. situation, um, I want to know a little bit more about education uh, at, at large because you know I'm, I love asking this question in, in this podcast because I, I just feel like there are, there's a, you know, like a, a wealth of information in people's hearts and minds uh, both of their parents or if they just remember how they were educated as, as children. Mm-hmm. And so like on a bigger picture, now that you've, you know, um, interviewed some of, of your friends, you've interviewed some of the experts in the scene, what would you say does the education system at large require, you know, um, if you were like, if you were to really change it, like what would you do? Yeah, I would focus on on passions and some of the, well, with young kids, I would focus on the innate qualities that children have, which are things like curiosity, uh, imagination. I would even say innocence is part of that, um, creativity. And that's the advice. We only have a two-year-old, but it's funny because we're now getting asked for advice from parents who have teens or who have multiple kids. And we're going, we're newbies. Like we just have a two-year-old. You know, I'll I'll tell you what I think, but please, you know, I think you are much wiser than I am. But the advice I've been giving is quite simple, which is to let uh, I really believe in child-led learning. Um, I think one of the most important skills right now is how to learn, not what to learn. And there's a number of ways that I feel like our education system and our, our, the ways that we, we learn from each other can, can do that. Um, conversations that are focused more on how and why instead of what. So instead of explaining things and labeling the world and, and um, you know, telling, trying to wrap around what we know, we approach things from how and why. How could this be different? Why do you think that happened? I think that's a relevant approach uh, for children of any age and learning in any different format. Um, And to be a little bit more specific, I've been looking at schools that are what you would call project-based, so more applied learning, Mm -hmm. um, where students will not have your typical uh, regular structure of subjects, but they'll they'll have a big picture problem like sustaining life on another planet or or growing a town and learning permaculture through a problem that involves feeding a community and schools are actually doing this in their curriculum and i love that because it's highly creative um it's engaging i think the results show that children are more excited about that form of learning And I feel like there's so many people doing it in different ways that are all kind of working that I can't even point to one particular system. But to me, it all falls under that kind of category. It's like driven by passion, driven by curiosity, um, but very hands-on, both in terms of, uh, you know, mind, uh, heart, hand, like engaged with the land and and hands-on. Um, and spirit, of course, because that's that's what children have a lot of. They're 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 big little spirits. They're big little spirits. Yeah, I, I like this definitely. You know, I've asked this question over over a hundred people and, and more, and I, I you know I'm 
I'm realizing I'm more gathering all the input rather than understanding what's the one best way because I don't really believe in this one best way anymore. It, it seems to be that different things will, will work in different local communities or for different uh, groups of children. And it's a great bridge back to the topic we, we, we had before because this morning, I'm going to share a, a short personal anecdote. I got a WhatsApp message from my mother who's apparently in the COVID-19 quarantine uh, is going through the things in the basement. And so she sent me some of my homework from fifth grade. And, uh, you know, uh, parents, how they can be, is a cheeky message because she was basically, she sent me my math homework, but she didn't show me my solution. She showed me just the equations to solve. And the question was, hey, do you still know how to do this? <laughs> and I looked at it. And this is fifth grade math homework in Germany. And I should definitely be able to do this. <laughs> But it was just like a pure question mark because it is absolutely not related to anything, at least in my personal life experience. It is so far away from the reality that I'm experiencing that, you know, um, I think it's, it's important to learn how to learn and to, you yes. know, exactly what, what, what you shared there. But bringing it to the, the quarantine and the, you know, the COVID-19 situation. So my mom is uh, cleaning out her basement. Um, <laughs> What are things that are showing up uh, in, in your life where you maybe welcome this time of, you know, being inside, possibly going deeper internally? Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot. And I, one thing that is really working for this time for me right now, besides being here with my, my wife and our son and just having a lot more family time together, um, which has been very balancing for me because when we're doing business as normal, the normal for me for the last many years has been we have five or six ongoing productions, um, various amounts of management that have to happen, a lot of work. And and a lot of it's inspiring, but making making films, making videos, it requires a lot of work and a lot of communication and many hours. So that's something that I've been um, enjoying is this, this kind of a little bit of a break, having more breathing space. Someone referred to this as a planetary sabbatical, kind of this, this widening of space on all different levels, things just slowing down and opening up. And one of the things that really is working for me is being in um, deeper and more social uh, communication with some group, with different groups. I have a, there's a men's group and we're all on this app where you could send video clips and connect, uh, communicate that way. And it's been amazing how, how much support and bonding there's been in that. And I've had more and longer FaceTime calls with family members who I haven't spoken to. My interfacing with the outside world, with family, friends, um, different groups I'm part of has been interestingly a lot more meaningful and it's kind of unpacked this spectrum of of intimacy and socializing that i feel like we shortcut all the time with just quick text messages and quick updates and hey i liked your thing so you know we're still kind of engaging but that that's been that's been a big realization for me and and i want to i want to remember that I've been doing my best to write down the lessons I'm learning during this time because I think it'd be a shame if we just go back to normal and yeah. not really. You and I were saying this before we hit record, right? Is, is yeah. like going back to business as usual um, <laughs> on a larger collective field is a total no-no to me in the sense of like now that we've seen what's possible with drastic uh, cohesive action, 
some of the environmental topics and some of the sustainable mm-hmm. development goals, um, we could use some drastic actions to, you know, move those people who starve to death every day out of that risk, right? And um, not to get too heavy um, in this episode, but I mean, we know these are real things. And so one of the things I'm observing is that this, this pandemic, and you kind of echo that as well, like in a really weird way, it, it unifies us with those who are most, uh, you know, yeah, just most connected to our heart or most connected to our mm-hmm. personality building, like our friends. And, and, and it really gets us together across the world to have maybe not in real person, but yeah. time to connect and to talk and dive a little bit deeper with people rather than just hitting the like button. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. In in this, we, we want what's restricted from us. That goes back to another parenting thing, right? If you're going to keep something from a child, they're going to want it even more. And, you know, discipline and boundaries and all of that. It's just so interesting to see what we really need uh, on, in a human to human level. I mean, connection, intimacy, understanding of each other. That's key to resilience. That's key to survival. And I've been collecting, and I encourage anyone who's listening to this episode to do this bookmark and collect and save anything you see that really like recognizes that. I, I saw a, a video of all these doctors in an ER ward listening to a meditation and, and actually chanting and, and listening to a mantra meditation. And they're all standing in the hall to raise the, the energy of that ER ward for the patients. I believe that was from Spain. Um, and of course, there's, there's good stuff coming out every day. So for me, that's been my, my coping uh, with this is I've been looking for the good. I've been saving as much positive media as I can, of course, because eventually I could see this becoming a very good <laughs> short video or documentary. I see the value in that. But just for myself, too, just seeing like, what are people um, doing? Where's the humanity coming out of, of in this crisis and this pandemic? It's a beautiful question. How is the humanity coming out? And also a great way to, to learn from a documentary filmmaker. Bookmark, save for later, and then you have this folder full of documentary yes. material. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, um, there is a lot of silver lining right now, but I want to come back to a word you said, which is resilience. Mm-hmm. And I personally, you know, don't, don't believe when you take on more responsibility. And as an entrepreneur, you know how that, how that feels that you'll have to do less or you'll have to less challenges to overcome. And so the same as a, as a shared humanity right now, as we're taking on the responsibility to, 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 to ascend or awaken or, or simply grow and evolve into a, you know, like a form of harmony with this planet, we'll have to confront and, and, and yeah, just be okay with some of the darkness and some of the, uh, the shadows and some of the challenges that, that, that are, facing us environmentally, socially, economically, systemically, right? And so in that context, what I'd love to, to hear from you is kind of going into the direction of earth vision now, like what's your earth vision in the context of resiliency? Like, like starting from where we are, what are some of the qualities that we require to actually build that world that we're dreaming of collectively? Mm. I think it's, to really reflect and observe. I mean, the, one of the reasons I went into documentary film as opposed to making commercials and music videos and being in that world, which I think is great, 
um, is because I really like observing. I really like listening and, and letting the story tell itself. And I think what you brought up really, really struck me because I was just imagining you know, what, what are we observing uh, if we were to zoom out of this planet and witness it from above and, and zoom into the way that different countries are approaching this, um, zoom into the, the cities that are completely uh, you know, empty like New York right now and seeing the signs, seeing, seeing the air clear up, seeing nature begin to kind of creep back out and, and a form, you know, a realigning um, of, of certain harmonies on the planet. I feel like that is resilience at work in in nature, in, and I'm including us humans in that in that balance and in in that aspect that we would have never seen otherwise. We we would not have been able to take a collective planet wide pause to even see that, and. And like you said so well, like all the activity, all the action and activity towards solving problems um, may have not been achieved because that, that's more activity that requires more and more resources and moving faster and the deadlines approaching and all of those things versus this moment of everyone just kind of retracting and, and pausing for a moment. And it's not to downplay the amount of crisis and how many people are working so hard to save lives but for those of us who are privileged enough to be safe be secured be healthy right now in this moment i feel like we've really got to pay attention to that and, and see this as that that moment of taking a step back and being able to really listen that's powerful, Akira. I think, you know, when you, you're saying zoom out into space, um, which is definitely a consciousness that our generation and younger grew up with as a normalcy, right? 50, 60, 80 years ago, very, very few people would have thought this way. Yeah. But a different way to zoom out would be on a timeline, like us as a generation, like a, you know, as a humanity going across the generations, these pandemics, these flus, these, these viruses have happened before. And I think, as you said, like, yeah. Um, not to downplay the, the hardcore uh, experiences that some hospitals are going through and, and, and some of those people who are really fighting for health and sanity at the moment. At a large, I don't think humanity has ever been more comfortable uh, sending memes around Instagram and other apps while, while something is going down. And so, mm -hmm. so really, like it, it's, it's a sabbatical. It's a planetary sabbatical. And I like that you used this word at the beginning. It's it, it's like the pause we, we needed to look at the larger uh, dreams, right? And so my last question for you is like, what is that earth vision in you? Like, what's the dream for the earth that you see? And you know, I like to ask this in the context of seven generations, just so we're zooming out a little bit of like just the immediacy of, of the current problems. I mean, becoming a parent and I've explained how, how big of an influence that's been on my professional work. I've made videos about what it means to be a father and, and parenthood and even motherhood, uh, reflecting on my wife's journey. I've been thinking about future generations quite a bit. And I've, I think that one of the greatest things that we could, we could do and be thinking about right now is, um, is what our what our beliefs are defining 
defining our beliefs, and I'm not saying that we need to have a belief system that doesn't change, but getting out of the routines and habits and focusing on our beliefs. There's that quote I really like that is attributed to both, I think, Gandhi and Margaret Thatcher, which is your beliefs become your thoughts, your thoughts become your words, your words become your, your actions, your actions become your habits, your habits become your values, and your values become your destiny. And if you rewind it, it starts with beliefs. So having healthy and empowering beliefs, uh, not just for yourself, but for humanity, I feel like will will lead, will, will ripple into all those other things, your actions, the way you see things. Do you believe that the world is a, is a good place? Do you believe that people are inherently good? Um, I feel like that's one of the things we can really, really focus on right now. <laughs> I think that's right on, you know, like I do. And that's why I cheekily answered because this has been one of the, um, how do you say that in English? One of the core conversations I used to have with my father growing up. And even still, sometimes when I go visit, we still kind of bounce into that because deep down on a subconscious belief level, that generation doesn't necessarily believe that all of the universe, the cosmos, um, creative force, and then humans are, you know, are, are naturally good in that sense. Yeah. There's like a, a belief in other, in all the generations that there is always a spoiled apple or always a, mm-hmm. uh, a black sheep. And, 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 and so I think, yeah, if, if a belief like that exists, we're totally running into, uh, a wall over and over again that will stop us from creating the change that, yeah, I think is, is going to happen with us or without us because change, you know, is, is a currency that we know will always happen, will always come. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. And I, I want to share one, one other thing that we learned in doing this parenting series, which there's this question you could ask that helps to shape beliefs. And it's really effective with the way you interact with children, but really with anyone. And it's asking yourself this question, um, what will they conclude from this interaction? So every time I'm asking myself that, what will, what will he conclude from this interaction? My son, if, will he conclude that you know, his dad is, is stressed out or having a hard time? Or will he conclude that, that people are generally good or that people are kind? And that's something that I've been using a lot lately for myself because I feel like it's, an, it's a never-ending um, exercise to, to hold those beliefs and make conclusions that, that align with your beliefs. And if your belief is that the world and people are inherently good, that, it's, that, there is a, that love is the, the key and the solution and that we are, we are all you know, moving towards um, a greater good, then you gotta you gotta ask yourself that quite a bit, you know. Am I am I gonna conclude that from all these interactions and the way I interact with the world myself? Yeah, it's a very powerful awakening inquiry to to consistently check our actions and habits in, into that integrity. Akira, thank you so much for your time, for your answers, for your insights, for the stories. Some of the stories that I didn't know about yet, which is is always fun to hear and discover. Yeah, absolutely. My real honor for me.
And I absolutely love the conversations you have on this podcast. I believe it's a very, very uh, powerful service to, to all of us at this time. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And that's that, another episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. I hope you truly enjoyed this one and received some insights, knowledge, and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life, into your relationships, or maybe even into your business and the way you show up for the world. Because this is a movement and we're all part of it and we're in this together. We're here to create a world of a triple bottom line where you win, I win, and the entire planet wins. We're raising consciousness together, and you know that. That's why you're listening. That's why I love you. So make sure to share the love. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Invite a friend to listen to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And if you have an idea who else you'd like me to interview, make sure you reach out and send me a suggestion. Definitely check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com, the website to the podcast. I've created a lot of different offers for you, free content, free meditations for you to amplify your connection to self, the state of social impact in the world, and for you to connect and listen to who you could support of the people that I actually interview because their missions are ongoing and a lot of them need more collaboration. And after more than 100 episodes now with some of the world's leading social impact experts, I have synthesized my most inspired learnings and takeaways to create coaching and mentorship programs for you and the people around you. Let me share with you about planetary purpose coaching and mentorship experiences. If you're in a space in your life where you're ready to level up to amplify who you are, what's coming through you and what you're doing to give your gift to the world, then I would love to hear from you and I'd love for you to apply to one of my private mentorships or group mentorships. Last but not least, there's a few different group experiences I host both in person and online. All of them are quantum learning environments and I'm happy to tell you more. So simply inform yourself and stay connected because whatever resonates with you, I'm here to support you and bring out more purpose into the world. And with that being said, wherever you are in the world, make sure to be you, show up all the way, be all in, connect with someone today, make them smile, have yourself a stellar day. Lots of love to you and until soon. Mm -hmm.